All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Hope Lower Town. Glad you are able to be here. Uh, if you are new to Hope or checking it out or checking out Christianity, my name is Brian, uh, lead pastor here. And uh, thank you, uh, worship team. That was uh, really encouraging. So appreciate that. Um, as Andrew was mentioning, we are in Romans. This is week four. So we just kind of started this series. Uh, we'll be in this for a while, about a year and a half. Um, and so we'll, we'll be in this uh, at least through uh, until the summer uh, with just chapters one through three that we'll be looking at uh, Romans uh, chapters one through three for uh, quite a while here. And I, and I want to start it off, and today I'm not going to, we're not going to take the time to necessarily turn and, and meet someone around you, but I do have a, a question, and that is uh, because it pertains to the, the text a little bit. Um, in the sense, uh, have you ever worked uh, really hard at something uh, just to be outdone by somebody who you know didn't put in the time. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're just someone you, like, I mean, I wasn't the greatest student. I'm still not, I guess. Uh, and, and I just feel like I was, uh, wasn't a great test taker, right? I could write a paper, that was okay. But doing the test thing, regurgitating information that I know I'm going to forget as soon as I turn the test in, I, I just wasn't very good at that. Uh, and so it, it was hard though when someone was just like, oh, I didn't even study for it. It's like, yeah, I, we get it, okay? Um, I remember in high school, uh, this was uh, my senior year. This just popped in my head. There was a guy I was in class with. His name was John Funderburg. Uh, he drove a hearse. I'm not making this up, an old hearse with flames on the side of it to school. Uh, the, back then, I thought, what a dork. But now I'm like, that was awesome. Uh, anyways, we were in class. And there was a girl in the class, Jennifer Griffin. And she was the straight A student, right? I mean, she just always, and, and we used to do this thing. This was, this was, you know, I guess, well, I guess it was the, the aughts, the, the early 2000s, where we would take a, a quiz or a test for English. And I remember it was a vocabulary test or I don't remember what it was. I don't remember, but you had to spell it right. And, you know, the grammar, everything would be right. But what we would do is we would, we would, uh, you know, you to give your paper or your quiz to someone next to you and they would grade it. Well, then she would, the teacher, um, I forget her name, probably a good thing. She would make us go uh, around the room and we'd have to read our scores out loud, okay? So she would say, you know, Brian Silver. And then whoever graded my paper, you know, would go 25, you know, percent, whatever it was. And I remember, um, and they we're going around the room in this one particular test. Everyone is just bombing it. And it gets to Jennifer Griffin. She calls, Miss, whatever her name was, she calls out Jennifer Griffin's name. And somebody says 100, right? And John Funderburg stands up and he just goes, what? <laughs> like he was so mad. And my teacher just stares at him and he just like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, uh, I just remember that, right? I'm just, it was just hard, right? Some people were just gifted like that. I asked the question, the, in, the initial analogy I was going to use before that popped into my head was um, my son, Henry, uh, just started playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, right? Kind of on the on Nintendo style. And I've been playing video games since, you know, since I was four. Uh, my family won a Nintendo off of the McDonald's peel things the, uh, uh, way back in the 80s. And uh, it was a brand new thing, and we couldn't have ever afforded it. Uh, thank you, McDonald's. Uh, it actually works. Uh, some people do win that. And, um, and we got a Nintendo. And anyways, my, my son the other day, we start playing, and he's now actually score-wise doing better than me. And it's really frustrating me, you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, Dad, I got more bad guys than you did. I'm like, listen, you're on a controller. I'm using the keyboard, all right? Let's switch, switch it up, and we'll see what happens. All right. What's the point of all this? Let me, let me just, before we get into why I said all that, hopefully if I, re, I remember to connect it 
when something it does better than me. That's the whole point of that. Um, was We're looking at three weeks ago, and so I'm just going to quickly recap, right? If you've been here the last three weeks, great. Um, uh, just kind of want to recap to where, where we're at in, in Rome. We're not going to reread the whole whole text, um, but, but we've been looking at this image, again, from Scott Duvall's book, Grasping God's Word. Uh, the first one is grasp the text in their town. Number two is gauge the width of the river, um, and then cross the principalizing bridge, consult the biblical roadmap, and then grasp the text in our town. A lot of times, like, what in the world is all that? Uh, a lot of times what we do and what people do is we open up our Bible and we go, what does this mean to me? Right, and we start with point five. We start with the end of going, oh, this is what it means to me in my town, but we can't do that until we actually do our homework. Um, and so this book of Romans that we're specific, specifically looking at was not written to us, was not written to Hope Lower Town in St. Paul in 2023. It was written to churches in Rome in the first century, right? Now, that width of the river of culture and time and language is actually quite narrow compared to the rest of the Bible uh, because we're on this side of the cross. Jesus has already died and resurrected and now the apostles are planting churches and specifically the church in Rome uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Paul plants this, the apostle Paul, but he was converted. Uh, he was a devout um, Jew who was actually killing and, 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 and persecuting Christians. And then God said, nope, I want you to be an apostle. I want to call you to send you out to plant churches. And he's called to be that apostle set apart for the gospel, the good news, the mercy and the grace and the freedom over sin that we can have in Christ. That's what he's called. And so grasping the text in their town, that's who he was. But then to all those in Rome, skipping on to Rome, uh, Romans 1, 7, um, that Paul says, that I'm, I'm writing this to those who are in Rome. And, and, and so what's happening in Rome is this church has been planted by people, not by apostles. It's been, a, it's been planted by people who, who haven't seen miracles, who haven't witnessed the resurrected Jesus, who probably never even saw Jesus when he was alive. It was written, like, it was started and planted by people just like us, right? That's a big deal, right? That's why that width of that river is actually quite narrow. So, and then last week, uh, looked at the gospel beforehand and kind of went back and redid the intro of Romans 1, 1 through 7. And I'm not going to again reread that, but I, I kind of hit this point a little bit. What's the, what's the main point of Romans? Um, and so if you got one of those little Bibles, we, we have uh, just the book of Romans, then some notes inside. I know we ran out of them, so I ordered some more. It's not here yet. Hopefully next week, if you didn't get one, uh, you can, you can grab one of those. Um, so, but a popular question, which is a really good question. <laughs> It's a really good question. How, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Choked up my spit. <laughs> Don't make me laugh when I'm drinking, man. <coughs> oh, okay. Sorry. This is a really good question. How can a loving God send anyone to hell? Everyone who, who's ever thought about religion and, and, and believes in some kind of hell or punishment has to ask themselves this question. You have to. How can a loving God send anyone to hell? But that's not the question that Paul has answered. I think he might answer that a little bit, but his main question, the one that he's really getting at, is how can a just God allow anyone in heaven? How can a holy God who is separate, who is pure, who cannot uh, see and approach sin, who is just ineffable, unapproachable light, how could he ever allow sinful human beings in his presence? How is that possible? That's the question that Paul is getting at. That is the overarching question that we're going to kind of chunk away out uh, week after week. Um, and then, uh, then last week, just 
introduced this phrase, obedience of faith. And so going through, it says uh, in verse five, uh, through whom, that is Christ Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. And I just tease that idea because the, the apostle Paul is gonna use that phrase a few times in the book, obedience of faith. What does that mean? Am I obeying to acquire faith, more faith to be in or is it the faith that then motivates my obedience, right? Those are two very different ways of, of reading that. As a matter of fact, I, didn't even, I just didn't have time, but we will get into it. There's seven different ways that you can interpret that from the, from the Greek language. Um, and so it's a, it's a big thing, right? So we just tease that idea and, and, and we're gonna unfold that more and more as the weeks go on, right? So, so uh, there's still a lot of meat uh, on that bone. Uh, sorry if you're a vegan, right? But it's like you're a, you know, you're at a Brazilian steakhouse. We didn't even carve into it, right? Uh, we just got a little bit of grease on our fingers and we, we licked our, our fingers, right? That's all we did. So we didn't really get into that. This week, all right, here we go. This week, Romans chapter one, we're gonna be looking at verses eight through 15. Uh, sermon is entitled, Thankful for All of You. Um, Last week, if we had to gauge, if, we, if you could do this, maybe uh, on a scale of one to 10, uh, gauge how deep or how, uh, how much of a struggle or theological uh, depth was there last week, on a scale of one to 10, I'd maybe give it a 6.5 to seven, right? Paul is gonna max that out to 11 in some chapters and some uh, portions, we're not, we're not there yet. This week is like a 2.5 to three. Okay, this week is not, whoa, this is blowing my mind uh, because the main point that Paul is gonna say is like, man, I wish I could go to Rome, <laughs> right? And again, that's what Paul is saying, right? So if we grasp the text in their town, what in the world is Paul trying to communicate to the Romans? He's communicating, he wants to go to Rome, right? That's what he's saying, that's what he means. And yet there are some things that Paul says about the church in Rome uh, that, that do apply to us now. Um, and that we, we should apply. So let me go ahead and read uh, these verses. I am missing page three of my notes. How is that possible? Oh, there it is. Uh, go ahead and stand with me as I read this text for today. I don't know how long or how many times we'll be able to, to do this based on the uh, how long uh, some of the texts that we're gonna go through, but uh, here we are. Romans chapter one, eight through 15. I'll read aloud. Uh, just feel free to follow along. The apostle Paul says this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may know at last succeed in coming to you. I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Thank you. You may be seated. This first point, again, we've just kind of been walking through these verses. The outline is quite simply looking at the text and the words that Paul has written to the church in Rome. Again, not to us, but for us. Starts off in now verse eight. First, 
I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you, right? So again, he says that word first. It's not the first word or the first thing he says, but verses one through seven are just kind of that introduction. Hey, this is who we are. This is who I am. Now I'm going to talk about you, Rome, the church in Rome. And he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. And again, this isn't the apostle Paul saying, thank you, First Baptist Church, <laughs> to allow uh, Lower Town to be part of this community. That's not what's happening here. This is, but at the same time, even though I'm not an apostle and I'm not Paul, from me to all of you, I'm thankful for you, all of you. And whether this is your first time in this building, I'm, t- I'm telling you, and I'm going to get into this, there's something about even just seeing people, meeting people uh, that is so encouraging uh, to see people uh, that I care for, that I pray for on a weekly basis over and over. And, uh, and I am thankful for all of you, <laughs> all of you, right? Uh, we can have our disagreements. We can have our squabbles, whatever we want to call it. I am so thankful. Uh, it makes my heart glad to see you. Um, there was a story that was, uh, well, I don't, yeah, okay. There's a story told about a, there's a, a <laughs> there was a pastor, uh, who was sharing a story about a gentleman, um, that when he would see him in the hallways, he would duck into a different classroom because he wanted to avoid that individual. Uh, I don't feel that way about anybody. Okay. Uh, <laughs> some of you know who that individual was. I know that. So I, I won't get into that, but most of you, uh, have been over, been here for over three years, right? So we just took a survey recently, and this was one of the results. Um, it's because of our church is, is young, right? We are only five and a half years old. Um, we can't even say we've been here for over six years, right? We were, we're a young church. And yet most of you is that everyone who took that survey that we, that we participated in have been here for over three years. And there's a lot that were one to three. And there was, uh, several who were less than six months. There were several that were, that were visitors at the time that we did this. Um, that's really important to me, right? And if we think about relationships that we've had, um, true relationships take time, right? Think, think of some of your best friends, your childhood friends. I just met someone, right, who knew Micah. They went to kindergarten together. Those are friendships. That takes time, right? Uh, if you think about if, you, if some of us went to college and you had roommates and there's something about being in a room all the time with somebody that, yeah, you, you start to become friends. I know I had a few of them in my wedding whom I haven't talked to since my wedding day, right? Um, that, it's because it was, a, it was a, not a real friendship. No, I'm kidding. It was. It, it is, uh, right? But it, it lacked depth, right? Why? Because we, it takes longer than three years, even though for me it was five years, but it doesn't matter. It takes time. And if we think, and we put it in our context of a Sunday morning gathering, even if you've been here for five years, that means we've only seen each other if we only see each other on Sunday morning 250 times over five years. That's if we come to church every single week. And usually it's me telling you things and I don't, I don't get to hear from you, right? That's not a relationship. This takes time. And so if you think, oh man, I've been coming to this church for six months and I joined a small group, but I just don't have this, this thing that I used to have at my old church or, or the, the, my, my family when I grew up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that, that checks out actually. It, it should take longer than that. It takes time and commitment. Um, so again, just on that note, let's just continue to get to know one another better. Let's continue that. Let's continue to be faithful to uh, Christ and the church, but continue to be faithful to one another as we uh, continue down this path of being a church 
together. So how can we do this? What are some practical ways that we can do this? Uh, the first one is just spending time together, right? Uh, I, I mentioned this and I, sometimes I forget, but this communication card is a great way. Fill it out and the back is left blank on purpose so you can fill out some prayer requests and those come in and we pray for you. Uh, please do that. You can always email uh, prayers at Lowertown or prayers LT, uh, and you can submit a prayer request and, and, the, and the prayer team will get that and be able to pray for you. Um, that obviously wouldn't be anonymous. Um, uh, small groups. Small groups are a great way to get to know people. Um, uh, small groups, we, we have a we have a, a time of community where you get there a little bit early and you just hang out. How's your week? What's going on? Wow, that's fantastic. Hey, I'm going to follow up with that job uh, interview you had. What was going on there? And then we get into a Bible study and then we have a time where the men and the women split up and they have accountability. Um, and that's where relationships happen. <laughs> relationships happen when I can expose myself and the things that I'm dealing with. Uh, it doesn't have to be all the, the skeletons in my closet. I think there's a time for that. But a lot of times it's just like, man, I am really pissed off at my kids right now, right? And I need prayer over that. And I need accountability. I need, I need friends to help me with that. Um, uh, we have a film fest coming up just uh, in, in, uh, in March. Uh, March 4th, I think, is the date where they're going to be showing this. If you don't know what Film Fest is, you can just Google on YouTube, Hope Film Fest. You're probably going to get the cream of the crop, so don't be like, oh, I could never do that because you can't. I can't. Um, it's just something dumb, but it's a way to get together, right? I told the powers that be that are in charge of the Film Fest. Um, there's usually about, I don't know, last year, I think with 18 to 20 films that we put together. Um, Lower Town, we only had one. Uh, this year, I said we can do two, okay? So my group's going to do one. We just need one other group to say, yeah, we'll do a film. It's a great way to build community. Just goof off, be dumb together, and get to know each other. Now, we have classes that we offer um, that are uh, really, really great, and we want to start doing more of those here at Lower Town. We do a lot of things at downtown Minneapolis that they host. I know I teach a systematic theology class. Paul and I have been uh, teaching that for, I don't know, five, six years now. We're trying to condense that, make it a little bit more uh, um uh, accessible. And in the classes, I think especially the ones in the evening are, are maybe a little bit more uh, easily accessible for those who are single or don't have little kids at home. And I understand that, but we're trying to trying to make figure out how we can do that and make it accessible for everybody. And then we have the app. Uh, Nolan uh, Bauer on staff here, he has uh, really developed a great app. And that um, on the app, I mentioned this last week, we're re I really want to start using that app to start communicating more with each other. Um, and so if you download, if you go to hopecc.com or you just go to the whatever it is, the app store. Um, there's a lot of Hope Community Churches out there. So if you do Hope Community Church, Twin Cities, it'll, probably, it'll be the first one that pops up. And in the app, there's a thing for messaging. And then in there, you can request to join groups and you can join the Lower Town Lobby and you can join a men's group or a women's group. Um, and already, I know the men's group, there's not many of us in there, but people have been saying, hey, let's get, uh, let's get maybe get prayer breakfast going again. Hey, I want to do a whiskey tasting or whatever it may be. That's great. Let's do that right? Let's talk to one another. Let others know what you're doing and let's just get together. Um, we have the weekly email. I didn't put that up there, but the weekly email is a great way just to know what's going on. Again, the Millers uh, just had their little little boy Asher. Um, and so uh, I know that there's still a couple slots to be filled out to be able to bring them some food and some meals. Uh, it's just a way to get to know each other, a way to encourage uh, one another as we'll, as we'll see. Another point, how can we do this, is show up for Sunday gatherings, right? And this is not self-serving, okay? As far as, as far as Sunday gatherings, this is not, um, right, I'm not taking a census. Uh, I'm not going to tax you. 
based on how many times you show up. I don't know your income. I don't know. I hardly remember what I do for work, let alone what you do for work uh, and, and how much money. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't want to know that stuff. But to see somebody and to be seen, right? We don't get any bonus points for showing up on Sunday with God. It doesn't work that way, right? Um, church is spiritual, but at the same time, it is mutual encouragement. It is highly relational to be here on Sunday, which I'll explain. Why? Because you have no idea. You have no idea who needed to be seen by you this morning. You have no idea. You have no idea how thankful I am to see you this morning. The Sunday gathering, this space, this time is very important, sure. But I want to make this a a priority. I want you to make this a priority. Why? And I'm telling you, the number one reason, the priority isn't necessarily just the teaching and the sitting under of God's word. It is extremely important. It is extremely valuable. But so much thinking more than this, right? It's so much more than that, right? Why are you here, right? You drove or you walked in the cold, came into an old building with really gross bathrooms. Why? To hear me preach? That doesn't make any sense, right? You can Google sermons online and you're going to find far better communicators of God's word to preach through the book of Romans, now, this is what I, why I gave those illustrations of, man, I can work really hard at this and all you have to do is boop, 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 Romans better, right? And that's just true, right? That, that's not an insult. I'm not, it's, it's not false humility. It's just truth. Uh, for example, I found, found this doing a quick search. Looking at this, sermons, Romans 1, uh, 8 through uh, 15, the exact same text. The main message from this passage is the power of the gospel to save all people, regardless of their background, education, or wisdom. Paul emphasizes the importance of spreading the good news of salvation to all people and encourages Christians to share the gospel with others. In conclusions, Romans 1, uh, Romans 1, 8 through 15, teaches us the importance of sharing the gospel with others and the power of that gospel to save people from their sins. As Christians, we have the responsibility to be debtors to all people, to share the good news of salvation with everyone, and to proclaim the gospel with boldness and confidence, relying on the power of God and bringing salvation to those who believe. Who said that? A robot, okay? I searched, I went to chat GTP, and I searched sermon on Romans 1, 8 through 15. A stinking computer did that. And that is, like, that'll, that's good. That'll, that's, I agree, Right? That oh, it will preach. It did preach, literally. Right? We gather here on Sunday mornings because there's so much more. It's to be seen and to see. It's to be heard and to hear. So we show up for Sunday gatherings and we sit under the teaching of God's word. Yes, we worship. We lift up our hearts and our minds. We engage in the songs and we worship the name of God together. We celebrate the Lord's table every single week. We get to partake of that meal together, seen and being seen by one another, hearing and being heard by one another. And, and, and that is my heart, right? This is me, not a robot. I get to do that, right? I get to pray for you. I don't think robots can pray. Maybe they can write a prayer. I don't know. Not yet, at least, not that we know of till they become self-conscious. I don't know, maybe they get a soul. I don't know how that works. All right, let's get back to the text. In all the world. What does Paul mean by this? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith 
is proclaimed in all the world. Is that is are we supposed to take this literally? Is it actually true that the gospel the, that the gospel was preached through the churches in Rome and that all of the world heard uh, what was going on in Rome? I don't think that Paul here is meaning all of the world, that every single human being has heard that. But I do think that through the uh, diaspora of the spreading of the Jews and the community, the Jewish Christians all throughout the world, uh, the known world and speaking Greek um, and Aramaic and Hebrew, that would have, that gospel would have spread. That's why we see these churches that was probably started in Rome by Jews, but then they were kicked out by Claudius. And then, and, and that's what's going on. Um, and then maybe sometimes we might read this and go, oh man, this is our church, right? We, we could, I could maybe rally us troops and we could maybe try to make a, make a cool TikTok channel and we could be influencers for the name of Jesus in all the world, right? I know that the new thing now is not influencer. It's like de-influencer uh, or a dis-influencer. Uh, meaning like, instead of like, hey, I went to this restaurant. This is how good it is. This is a product you need to try. It's like, hey, I went to Disney, got the fast track pass. Don't do it. Right, that's and they get popular on de-influencing uh, people. That's a thing now. Just being negative all the time. <laughs> Again, this is a self-effacing nature of that local church, and I hope that's also true of us. Again, self-effacing. It's not about us. It's not about bringing attention to us. Hey, look how great we are. Look how cool we are. Look how fancy we are. We want people to see Jesus. We want to cut down as many distractions as we possibly can to show people the gospel of Jesus. It's not about bringing attention to themselves. And we, and we, I think we do, if we do this, we're not flashy. Um, uh, I often say that as long as we stay above the cringe factor, if anyone goes below the cringe factor, it's me, uh, whether that's through our, our uh, hymn sings when I'm leading or whether it's just something stupid I say. Uh, right? that's, a, that's a cringe thing that happens uh, quite often, but we try to stay above that. Uh, we talk about how we're a duct tape church um, that uh, we're not going to pour all of our money into fancy things, that we want to just proclaim the gospel um, at a bottom dollar. Um, we often say that if you don't like organized religion, you're going to love us, right? Uh, we say that we don't have the corner on anything except Wakuda and Ninth. Um, right? We're not perfect. We are not perfect. None of us are perfect. Uh, but one day we will be made perfect by the perfect one. And I hope that getting to know one another, getting to know the people of this church, that you will get to know a perfect Savior. And this is further seen then in this text. So going back first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And then skipping down to verse 11, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Right, what is this gift of the Spirit? And, and this is kind of an interesting uh, phraseology. If you look at uh, Paul's letters uh, to the church in Corinth, um, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and yet here we have spiritual gifts. In the Greek, it's actually the same. All right, uh, but but this isn't a gift that we're gonna we're gonna give each other. This is something that was a mutual exchange of something, and it's the spiritual gift. What is this spiritual side? Right, because this isn't just a mutual edification that he's gonna talk about. There is something spiritual about it. And that's why he uses that language there, spiritual gift to strengthen you. And what is it? That is that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, each other's faith, both yours and mine. And again, while I'm not the apostle, and even though he was encouraged by the church in Rome, 
I too am encouraged uh, by all of you that I need to see your faith and be encouraged by it. And I just I briefly want to go through seasons of encouragement that I've had since I've been a pastor here. Um, I was encouraged, and like I mentioned, even through that survey of thinking about people who have been here from, from the beginning, not that somebody who came in later, you're less than, not at all. Um, there's just a season of encouragement. Um, I think back to when Will and Coley had their accident and died, um, the encouragement that I got. I'm trying not to name names, and some of you may know, yeah, okay, great. And if you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you, my heart is gladdened by all of you here. Um, think about just all of the pandemic, <laughs> right? The encouragement that was received and the tensions over policies or politics, but just seeing your faces that we have made it through that um, is incredibly encouraging. I think back to when we were doing trivia online on Zoom and how encouraging it was to see faces, even though I think some of you cheated, um, but I was still encouraged. Think of my small group, uh, the friends and relationship that I've been able to gain through that. Um, I think specifically, of, I think it was on my birthday uh, that Paul, one of our elders here, and Josh brought a, um, a giant T-bone snake, steak to me with a, uh, a letter of encouragement uh, that I can't even uh, think about without getting emotional. So I'm going to move on. Um, I think about my kids uh, when they were born, how encouraging that we get to do that with the Stivers, uh, with the Millers, with people who have just had babies and others who are still expecting. Um, I wasn't going to name names, but I'm thankful for Zach and Andrew. Uh, stop it. Huh. John Hess, uh, this guy, um, I, think, I think he comes to church more often than I do, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, that's very encouraging. Um, very talented and be able to use his talents uh, to play in, in a, just a small worship team every Sunday is incredibly encouraging. Um, Um, I think of Caitlin Balfa, she, phew. okay, at this time, um, on that note of looking of, yes, encouragement, but whew, future encouragement, this is stupid. Sorry, man, you're like, if you're visiting, I this is actually pretty normal. So uh, just <laughs> like, what is going on? I, at this time, um, I, let, me just, let me just say this. I know that a lot of you uh, know that uh, a while back, uh, Josh Deramola, Deramola is that they had left the, the, the church. Um, again, nothing, nothing crazy. It wasn't anything evil, anything like that. There's no cover-ups, no scandals, anything like that. It was just time for them to move on. Uh, but at Hope, we believe in something called the plurality of elders, uh, meaning this is not a one, one man show, uh, that I'm not up here calling the shots. It may feel like that. And I think especially, uh, over, it may feel like that, right? I think sometimes it may be that, but it, it shouldn't be. Um, and so we, we desire a plurality of eldership. And so Paul uh, and I, uh, are right now are the team. Um, and knowing that Paul and Allison are, are the, the plan is that they're going to plant a church in a couple of years. And so that's, that's a great, that's a good thing. Um, but I, I need, I need help. And I need encouragement. And so, um, uh, Ben Jones, uh, we, uh, Paul and I are going to be recommending him for, um, an elder in training, uh, position. Um, it's not a paid position. It's what's called a lay eldership, um, that he's going to keep doing his thing. 
and yet he's just going to be along for the ride to encourage, to give spiritual guidance uh, that elders uh, do in the role that we function as at this church. Um, and so he is starting that process. We use the language that we're, we're, we're entering a dating relationship. Uh, he can break up with me at any time. I can break up with him at any time. And hopefully we can still be friends, right? Um, it, it can, it can, relationships are messy. And if that were to happen, I know it can be difficult and awkward. Um, but, but the goal right now is that he would over the next seven, eight months, whatever, whatever, however, on, on timeline, uh, whatever happens, that he would then become an elder, hopefully be voted in by you, um, at the annual meeting which is usually in August. Um, and so that's kind of the goal, but we're not rushing anything. We're not trying to do this. And so um, he has already been meeting with with Paul and I. Uh, we've been meeting quite regularly. By regularly, I mean like twice. Um, no, but I mean, we have been meeting uh, that his name has gone through staff, all of the elders of Hope Community Church um, and uh, female staff as well. And just saying, hey, what do you got? What do you know about this guy? And he's been checked out. Hey, green light. That's great. And, and it's a process, right? So we're going to work through the, the statement of faith and make sure that theologically that we're aligned and that's going to take some time. Um, and so I'm going to have actually have Ben and Emily uh, coming up. I just want to pray for them as, as I think about encouragement. I don't want to think about it because I want to get emotional. Um, but uh, I'm so thankful for this man. I'm thankful for his friendship. They've been here uh, the whole time. They were at Hope Downtown before we started here. Um, and the fact that they came with has just been a huge encouragement uh, to me. And so um, I just want to pray for them. And then, uh, and then we'll, 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 we'll keep going with the sermon here. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. Every time I think of the Joneses, I thank you uh, for them. I thank you for the encouragement they've meant to me and my wife uh, and for all of the church body that I don't think uh, his name being presented as potential elder is a shock to anyone. Uh, and that's really encouraging to me and I hope it's encouraging to them. And so I just pray that you would uh, be with them through this process uh, that they would, uh, I know, take this seriously, that you would protect them from any kind of spiritual attack or attack of the devil in their life, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, that you would just oversee them and care for them as they take on this weighty, heavy aspect of a spiritual uh, nature of leading a church. And so uh, thank you for my brother and my friend, and I pray that you would uh, just be with them. Uh, we love them and thank you for them. Uh, it's a Christ thing that we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right, I can't see my notes. Hang on. Okay. Okay, this word though, encouragement. Uh, where is it? Verse 12, that is that we may be mutually encouraged. Okay, so what we're gonna strengthen is a spiritual strengthening. That is, what is it, Paul? What is this? How do we spiritually strengthen each other? That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Right, that, that this is a mutual encouragement. This goes both ways, the encouragement. But that word encouraged uh, can be and is translated differently in other passages. It can also be translated strengthen, right? Support, which is really important because I think that this word encompasses not just encouragement, which is really good. It's more than that. In the steadfastness, 
this standing firm, holding on to one another or strengthening. It's the same language. If, if you remember, we went through the book of Hebrews of hold fast, right? That sailor in a storm holding on to a rope of holding fast. That's what it is. That we do this together. We're linked arm and armed. And by that, then we're fighting sin with one another. Right? We're standing firm, we're steadfast, we're strengthening, we're holding each other up, we're propping each other up to fight sin, to fight those waves of, of temptation and sin and the devil that may come against us. We fight that sin. And I'm telling you, we cannot do that appropriately without getting to know each other. We just can't. Right? We, we don't have a confessional booth where you can just come forward and say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Father, resolve you of my guilt. I can't do that. We have to get to know each other. We have to share our lives with one another. We have to live with one another and pray for each other. And only Christ Jesus can forgive us of our sins. Continuing the text, the apostle Paul used this language that he has prayed without ceasing. He says, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I mention you. Right, and this is, this is, this is not, I don't think, I could be wrong. I don't think this is like Brian um, you should feel really guilty because you don't pray without ceasing for everyone in your church, right? I, I pray for you, but without ceasing, what, is, what does that mean? I think, but I think Paul means that when he mentions these people in his prayers, that he's saying that I may succeed in coming to you, right? And I, and I do think he means that. What every time I mention you, I mention without, without ceasing, without forgetting that I want to go to Rome. And I can say that when I pray for you, whether looking at the weekly email and going through the list of people who have signed up for that, that I pray for you by name and I mean it. I'm able to pray for you. So in that though, let's consult the biblical roadmap, right? We go back to that Scott Duvall picture there. There are other passages of scripture that, that can beef up what we have been talking about. So he says, I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So Paul has not yet been able to get to Rome, even though he's traveled all over the area, he's never been able to get to Rome. And so we can see this in Acts chapter 16, verse six through 10. There's other passages that we could look at, but this is, this is one that particularly pertains to this. It says, and they were uh, through the region. Uh, this is Paul specifically and some followers of um, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, or Asia Minor, Minor kind of where, where Greece is. And they had come up through Mysa, and they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysa, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, um, um, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen this vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so again, maps, boring, but I think this is just helpful, right? So you, you've got Jerusalem, uh, right? You've got Jerusalem and then he goes up and he has this path and you've got Asia Minor here and then he decides to go up to Bithynia up here and God's like, nope, not there. He goes to Troas, nope, not there. You need to cross over here. You need to get over into Macedonia. You have this vision. So what's often called the Macedonian uh, call. And so he gets over there and he's planted tons of churches on his way, that he's preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has died for their sins, that he's risen from the dead. All right, this is a powerful gospel. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Jesus already did it on the cross. He said, it's finished. 
right? When you finish a race, right? You don't go, hey, let me keep running to add to my time. Why? It's finished. You can't do anything else, right? And, and, and God says, Paul, I want you to go across the sea and I want you to go into Macedonia and preach the gospel. And yet for reasons, because he knows the people in Rome, his heart is saying, get to Rome. It's really powerful. And he then continues that, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. He has been prevented by the calling of Christ in his life to preach the gospel in other places and to plant churches like Corinth and Philippi. It says, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well among the rest of the Gentiles. Again, Gentiles just means all ethne, all people groups. And it says this in conclusion, I am under no obligation, excuse me, that's not true. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. And so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You can hear his heart for the Romans. He wants to get there, but he's saying, I've wanted to come, but I can't because I'm busy planting churches at other places. But you, you already have churches that have been planted and churches that established. So let me write you this letter. It's going to be some intense theology. So let me conclude here with a quote from R.C. Sproul. He says this, what a strange statement to make. I am bound or I am a debtor. What does he owe the Greeks? What does Paul owe the non-Greeks? What does he owe to the wise? What does he owe to the foolish? Surely the obligation was on their side to show honor and obedience to Paul. Surely they should be rushing across the plains of Asia Minor to sign up for courses in the school of the apostle Paul. Paul understood that he was an apostle simply by the grace of God and that it was an unspeakable privilege for him to have that office, he realized that once Christ had commissioned him to carry the gospel throughout the world to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, to the wise and to the foolish, to the lettered and the unlettered. I think that means like lettering in basketball in high school. No, I'm kidding. It means educated or uneducated. To the great and the small, he was under obligation to fulfill his calling. Love of Christ constrained him to carry out his commission. Again, going back to that obedience of faith, this is a glad submission of the human heart that the apostle Paul has to preach the gospel. You might've thought that was R.C. Sproul, but it was really, no, I'm kidding. It wasn't GTP. But I do want to go back to this robot <laughs> because it actually is really good. <laughs> we have the responsibility to be debtors to all people to share the good news of salvation with everyone. And I just want to think about that word, everyone, that everyone does not mean all people, all ethnicities, all people who are outside of these walls. Everyone, I think, <laughs> what the robot is trying to get us uh, uh, conscious humans to do is to care for one another as well. Everyone doesn't just mean other people, it means us as well, <laughs> right? Even each other. And so in gospel application. Let's encourage one another. Let's fight sin and stand fast with one another. And let's share the gospel with one another. And I think we could take this to the bank that usually, because this isn't just encouragement and relationship, it's a spiritual relationship. It's a spiritual encouragement. And so if our goal is just encouragement, 
we're probably not hardly ever going to get encouragement. If our goal is let's just stand firm together and fight sin together, most likely we're gonna enter into legalism and judgment and guilt and shame, and we're probably not gonna really fight sin. But if we share the gospel with one another, then we will almost always get encouragement and relationship and fighting sin and standing firm with one another. We're gonna enter into a time of communion. Like I mentioned earlier, we do, that, we do this every week. And it never gets old to take these elements, to, to look at these elements, the juice that represents the blood of Christ that was poured out for us, the wafer that represents the, the, the body of Christ that was broken for us. That we take these elements in remembrance of him, in what he did, did and accomplished. And again, it's did, it's done, it's finished. We get to remember him now as we partake these elements. We get to look around, we get to see each other, partake of this meal together. So the worship team's gonna come back up. They're gonna play two, uh, two songs. Um, and as they're playing, as they're singing, feel free to come forward and grab these elements and be seated and you can pray, confess, rejoice, thank God, whatever it may be. And thank God for, for one another. Thank God for his church. Um, and all I would ask is that you're a member, not, sorry, you don't have to be a member of this church or any church. Uh, it's called something we practice called open communion. All we'd ask that you're a follower of Jesus. If you say, yes, I've bent the knee to King Jesus. I love Jesus. I want to share the good news, the gospel with everyone. Uh, man, we, we would love for you to partake of these elements uh, with us this morning. Let me pray as the worship team makes their way up here um, as we partake of these elements. Heavenly Father, um, I, I think it was evident today uh, that I personally have been encouraged by so many people in this church. Even those people who I've never even met or people who might be here for the first time, just again, seeing them and being seen, being heard is so important. That's part of the human condition is to be known that isolation, uh, solitude is, is death to humans. And so God, would we encourage one another? Would we stand firm with another and do that through sharing the good news, the gospel? knowing that I am set free from guilt and shame, that my sin is as far as the East is from the West because Christ has removed that from me. Would we encourage one another with that when we are struggling, when we are tempted, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, to encourage one another and strengthen one another in our faith and in their faith. So I pray as we partake, these up, partake of these elements, that you would be honored, you'd be glorified, that we would be self-effacing, that it wouldn't be about us, it wouldn't be about me, it wouldn't be about the worship team, it would all be about you and your son and your spirit who is continually gonna be at work here in Lower Town and at Hope Lower Town. We love you and thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.